It is normal for most people to the end of the year to begin to plan for the new year, what kind of goals they want to have, what kind of resolutions they, they might be going to make. And one of the most common resolutions or goals people make involves some sort of physical fitness. People come out of the holiday season feeling a bit fluffy and indulgent, so they've got to lose weight to get in shape. This is why most fitness centers offer deals at the first of the year. So you have a feeling of off, feel like you want to lose weight. Uh, that's the bait, and the, the gym has their best rates ever, uh, and that becomes the hook. And bada bing, bada boom, before you know it, you're signed up for a year-long contract at a gym that you may or may not go to beyond the first week of January. But one cold January morning, while I was at the gym, I was there with all the New Year's resolvers. The gym was extremely busy when it normally wasn't at 5 o'clock in the morning. And I began to look at the people who were working out, and a thought hit me as I watched them. I noticed that there were three different categories of people in the gym that morning. First, there were those who genuinely wanted to exercise to lose weight and to get in shape, but they didn't know how to work out. They'd never really done it before in their lives. They'd not read any books. They didn't know what needed to be done. They didn't know what machine worked, what body part, how many sets, how much weight. And so what they would do is they would watch someone else use a machine, then they would go use the machine in the way they had seen it used, and they just kind of followed that pattern on and on. And as I, I watched them, I realized their, sincere, their workouts were sincere. They really did want to get in shape and lose weight, but they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know how to do it. And, and I, I realized that workout would eventually prove unfruitful. It wasn't going to yield the results they hoped to find. And the end result of that would be if things didn't turn around, they didn't figure out how to work out, they would end up quitting and they would say, well, it just wasn't something that worked for me. Another group were there were the group who liked the idea of exercising, losing weight and getting into shape. But they really didn't want to put forth the effort necessary to achieve the results. Now, that may sound kind of harsh that they don't want to put forth the results, but I assure you I'm correct. It's evident in the way that they worked out in the mornings. They would get on an elliptical or on a treadmill. They would set it on just about the lowest setting it could go on. They would talk on their phone while they walked for five minutes or so, then they would get off. One person actually told me the reason they walked at such a slow pace was because they didn't want to break a sweat at the gym to exercise, get in shape and lose weight. They didn't want to break a sweat. Uh, and it's evident also in the way they use their weights. They never increase in the weights they use. Uh, they they use the lightest weight possible for 15, 20 repetitions. And, and the purpose is so that it doesn't tax them. But without the taxing, they never grow, they never get stronger, they never lose weight, never makes the, never receive the results they want to. And so if the workouts follow that pattern, then typically what happens is after a few weeks they quit. And if asked about it, their reasoning is, well, I tried, it just didn't work out for me. And then there are those who want to exercise, lose weight, and get in shape, and they know what they're doing. They will consistently put forth the effort necessary to achieve their desired results. They hit the gym on a consistent basis. They're willing to break a sweat, push themselves. They know how to exercise. They know which ones to do, the right amount of time to do it. Uh, They recognize exercising, losing weight, and keeping it off, and getting in shape, and staying in shape is hard work. It requires discipline and sacrifice on their part. They're willing to do the work and develop the discipline necessary to make the required sacrifices. They don't quit because they're seeing the results they want. And, and that wasn't the, so much the epiphany I had that morning, but the epiphany I had that morning along those lines was there are a lot of people who are the same way in their spiritual lives. Some people really do long to have a deep spiritual life and have a close relationship with Jesus, but they don't really know what to do. 
And, and so they watch other people and they do what, what they do. But they don't know why they do it. They maybe read a particular Bible translation because that's what the person they've seen do. Or they, they wear certain clothes because they've seen that person. Where they pick up maybe their habits, their disciplines. They pick up uh, maybe even their convictions. But they don't know why they do what they do. They just know they're significant because this person they're looking up to is doing it. But the reality is, not knowing why we're doing what we're doing and, and not really doing what needs to be done typically doesn't produce the desired results of a deep spiritual life and a close relationship with Jesus. And so over time, those people get discouraged and they fall away. And they say, well, I, I tried Jesus with the church and it just didn't work for me. Then there are those who like the idea of a deep spiritual life and a close relationship with Jesus. Uh, and, and these folks, they, they, they will probably do some things, but they do what they do out of a sense of an obligation instead of out of a real desire to draw near to Jesus. They do the bare minimum of what they think needs to be done to have a spiritual life and have a relationship with Jesus because much like the, the people like this in the gym, they really don't want to break a sweat. And when this fails to produce the results they sort of want, they also will give up and they'll say, ah, I tried Jesus in the church and all that. It just didn't really work for me. And then there are those who want a deep spiritual life and a closer relationship with Jesus. They know what it takes to make this happen. And so they do it. They're consistent in their spiritual discipline. Sometimes it causes them to break a sweat, makes them uncomfortable as they exert themselves. But these people are OK with that because they know being more like Jesus and being closer to Jesus is worth it all. These are consistent disciples of Jesus who never fall back on their commitment and relationship with Jesus because consistently growing spiritually and deepening their relationship with Jesus prevents the falling back that we often see in the world. So what I'm going to do, based off those, that, those ideas that I had, uh, I'm going to spend this week and next week and maybe the week after, is focus my message on helping those who fall into the first category, give a clear path to follow to you, for spiritual disciplines to use to help deepen your spiritual life and your relationship with Jesus. I also want to challenge those in the second group to be honest about the condition of their hearts and the, their desire or really their lack of desire to grow up spiritually and encourage them to do what really needs to be done to grow, to deepen their relationship with Jesus. And then I want to encourage those who are in the third group to keep on keeping on because they realize it's worth it. To do this, what we're going to do is study the basic spiritual disciplines that enable us to grow in our spiritual life and help us deepen our relationship with Jesus so we can be spiritually fit in 2022. And we're doing this aware of the fact that it's the path to spiritual growth and deep relationship with Jesus. It's not easy. It requires hard work. It requires discipline. It requires sacrifice. But also, it is worth it. And one of the main reasons I'm, I'm doing that towards the end of the year, moving into the new year, is we don't know what 2022 holds. But if it's anything like 2020 and 2021, we're going to have to be spiritually fit if we intend to weather it well. And my prayer, and, and I'll just say this and move on quickly about that. The reality in the church world in America today is the vast majority of churchgoers in 2020 weren't spiritually fit. And it's evident in where they are today as opposed to where they were then. A number of people who have fallen out of churches, all churches, not going, staying home, have no desire for it. 
It is an evidence. They were not spiritually fit when that happened. And it shook them in one way or another. It either shook them and knocked them out or it revealed what was really there and knocked them out. But either way, they were not spiritually fit. This year was a little harder. If the trend follows, we're going to have to be sure we're spiritually fit so that we can weather the storms well. So we're going to start in 1 Timothy 4. Open your Bible if you haven't already. 1 Timothy 4, uh, page 911. If you have a pew Bible, we're just going to look at two verses. Verse 7 and 8. When you find that, I'm going to ask you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word. 
Anything that God gives us the desire to do, the Holy Spirit gives us the power to do. And I want to say that on the, out, on, the, on the beginning of it. But I also want to say I'm not focused on that in the message because the Holy Spirit doesn't do it for us. Right? The Holy Spirit empowers us as we put forth the effort. Right? You and I, we can pray to, to be stronger in the Word. But if we don't read the Word, we're not going to be stronger in the Word. And the Holy Spirit is not going to take us, pick us up, set us at our desk, open up our Bibles, and bend our heads down till we read it. That's not what the way it works. As we sit down to read it, He illuminates and helps us. And you can take that with any of the spiritual disciplines we're going to talk about tonight. The Holy Spirit empowers. But He empowers as we do, not so that we don't have to do anything. So spiritual fitness requires effort. On our part. This passage, it gives us three ways to put forth the intentional disciplined effort required to become spiritually fit. Be disciplined. Right, look at what it says. Discipline yourself. So that's the first word it gives us. Discipline. The first thing God's word says we must do if we're going to be spiritually fit is be Disciplined. The Greek word used that's translated as disciplined in my Bible may be translated as exercise in yours. It is the the word was originally used when speaking of athletes preparing for a contest. Right? It speaks of physical exercise in order to be conditioned and prepared for the contest. It speaks of not just exercising once, but the, the discipline of exercising again and again and again and again to be conditioned to compete. In the games that the athletes were preparing for. Becoming physically or spiritually fit will require intentional disciplined effort on the part of the person seeking to get physically or spiritually fit. Um, a former Mr. Olympia was once asked the secret to being a successful bodybuilder. And he said there's no secret unless you consider hard work and discipline a secret. And what's true for bodybuilding is also true for spiritual fitness. There are no secrets. There are just basic spiritual disciplines that produce spiritual fitness, that produce a deep spiritual life and an intimate relationship with Jesus. And we do them again and again and again. This requires us to be disciplined in our lives. We must be disciplined to do these spiritual disciplines so that we will see the desired results. And we must be disciplined to do these spiritual disciplines again and again and again, essentially, to be really honest about the whole thing, we must be disciplined to do them from now until Jesus calls us home or Jesus returns. We never arrive. We never get to the point where we are so mature, we are so close, we are so deep that we don't have to do the spiritual disciplines again. It requires discipline to do them from now until eternity. And then in eternity, well, then we don't do them anymore. But as long as we live in this life, we have to do them over and over and over again. The keeping on part of the disciplines is a huge part of what it means to be disciplined. Something I read once said, there is no day so hopeful as the first day of a diet. But what does it take for any diet to be successful? The discipline to be consistent. Dieting one day does not do any good regardless of what diet you do. Dieting for two days doesn't do any long-term good regardless of what diet you do. What does it take for the diet to do you any good, whether for your weight or for your health? 
the discipline to stick with it day after day, week after week, month after month. It's the same with exercise. You can't go run once today and be fit to run a marathon. It's the same with lifting weights. You can't go lift weights once today and deadlift 400 pounds the day after. It's the same with spiritual disciplines. You have to do them. You can't just do them once and suddenly you've arrived. You have to do them again and again and again forever. There are certain spiritual disciplines that help us get and stay spiritually fit. Right? And, and again, these aren't going to be anything new probably. Prayer. One of the greatest and most important disciplines for the spiritual life, for spiritual fitness, is prayer. A consistent time alone talking with God in prayer is necessary for spiritual fitness. Secondly, study God's Word. There are many ways we can study God's Word. We can study topics, books, themes, read it through in a year, whatever way we do it. The way we study it isn't nearly as important as the fact that we do it regularly. Statistically, all of these people like George Barna and those who, who surveyed the church in America, when they talk to people that have stuck it out in their relationship with Jesus, those who have grown spiritually and that, that their relationship with Christ has made a significant difference in their life, the two things that are always top of the list of the things that are present in their life, prayer, consistent time of studying God's Word. Studying God's Word consistently is almost always the number one key to being spiritually fit, to having a thriving relationship with Jesus. Another one is fasting. Fasting is more than just not eating. Fasting is primarily a time when we focus more on Jesus and less on us. When we fast, we seek to center our attention on Jesus. We can put Him first in every area of our lives. And this leads us upward towards spiritual fitness. And I'm just going to cover these quickly. Next week, we're going to go more in detail on all of these. Today, I'm just kind of laying them out. Worship. Worship here is, is, is both corporate and private. Right? This is the kind of worship that is a spiritual discipline. Worship is a means of strengthening our spirit. It assists in our spiritual growth. Worship is a means of expressing our love for Jesus. It is a way of expressing our gratitude to Jesus for all He has done. Worship is a period of communion with Jesus, with Jesus allowing us to shut the world out entirely. And, and it is corporate and private. It, it takes both. If you only worship Jesus in church, you are not going to have the thriving spiritual life you need to have. If you say, well, I can worship Jesus anywhere, I don't need to go to church, you are not going to have the thriving spiritual life you are meant to have. It takes both. There's worship and there's silence and solitude. Now, these are something we think about as disciplines um, in helping us be spiritually fit. Part of the reason for this is we live in a very noisy world. Think about how often in our normal day we experience Times of silence and solitude. For most of us, it's probably not that often. In fact, our world is so noisy that silence and solitude could seem uncomfortable, right? I mean, if Sunday morning, if I got up and just stopped. It gets awkward pretty quick, doesn't it? What's going on? I mean... Is there a glitch in the matrix? What's going on? Why is he not talking? Right? We, we 
We don't like that kind of silence because our world is exceedingly noisy. And the noise of our world is what necessitates us to have times where we turn off the world and we block it out and we focus on just hearing from Jesus. I mean, you think about silence and solitude in some ways in connection with the others. Here's what I will almost promise you. You can't have a deep prayer time while watching Law and Order Special Victims Unit at the same time. You can't read your Bible well while watching television at the same time. You can't focus on Christ in worship and prayer and study if you're answering every text and email that comes in as it comes in. It breaks your flow of thought. It's an interruption. In that moment, there is a, a need For the silence and solitude of just focusing on Jesus. It is a necessary part of spiritual fitness. Service. It's important for us to serve Jesus. And important for us to serve others. All disciples of Jesus are meant to serve. We're meant to serve Jesus. We're meant to serve others. The word has made this clear by repeatedly telling us that we have been given spiritual gifts. There are gifts Jesus has given. There's gifts the Bible says the Holy Spirit has given. There's gifts the Bible says God the Father has given. And those gifts are all meant to be used. And as we use them, we can't use them. Now on this, we can't use them in silence and solitude. Our spiritual gifts can't be done just me. I have to use my gift to serve someone else in the name of Jesus. You have to use your gift to serve someone else in the name of Jesus. This is what we're meant to do. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 is very clear. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, so that we can do the good works God has prepared in advance for us to do. We we will not be spiritually fit without service. We will not have a thriving relationship with Christ without service. Evangelism. Telling others about Jesus. Any number of ways we can go about telling others about Jesus. The way we do it isn't nearly as important as the fact we do it. One of my very favorite stories, and it's not even a part of the message, but I just thought about it. Um, D.L. Moody, one of my great heroes of the faith, greatest evangelist America has ever produced probably. He, he did personal evangelism every day. Every day. He would not go to bed without sharing the gospel with someone every day of his life. One time, one story, he was asleep like at 1130 at night in Chicago. And he realized he had not shared the gospel with anybody in one-on-one. He got up, got dressed, and walked the streets of Chicago till he found a homeless person living on the street that he could share the gospel with and give some money to to help find a place to stay. And a lady came up to him one day and she told him, she said, Mr. Moody, I don't like the way you share the gospel. And he said, well, to be honest with you, I don't really like the way I share it either. How do you do it? And she said, well, I don't do it at all. And he said, well, I like the way I do it better than I like the way you don't do it. Moody understood. We're meant to share, to tell others about Jesus. All disciples of Jesus are meant to tell others about Jesus. In investing in others. Investing in others could be called discipleship, could be called mentoring, could be called coaching. In this context, they all essentially mean the same thing. We're investing in the lives of others with the goal of helping them grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Or helping them to come to know Jesus so they could grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, and this time of investing in someone else It leads them to grow. At the same time, it makes us spiritually fit. Because we're intended to do this. Memorize and meditate on God's Word. 
Meditating on God's word is taking the time to think deeply about a verse or a passage in God's word. We, we memorize it so we can call it up anytime we want to. And we call it up to think about maybe the individual words. Or we think about a phrase or a picture that it gives us. Let, let me give you an example. This is just today in my prayer time. This is the passage that I'm going to start working to memorize so I can meditate on. Therefore, since we also have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking only at Jesus, the originator and perfecter of the faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so you will not grow weary and lose heart. I mean, there's a lot there to think about. Memorize that. You can think about, I mean, so many things. You can think about the, the word picture of the cloud of witnesses from Hebrews 11. You can think about the, the word picture of running the race. You, you can think about Jesus, who for joy endured the cross. And you think about what was that joy? Well, it was our salvation. And then he's our example to look only. I mean, there's just so much about that to, to think on and to, to meditate upon. And that's kind of a big part of what we need to do. Not just, we do want to have a time where we read the Bible and we think on it there. But we want to have some Bible here and and here. So that we can let it be flooding our minds and thinking and growing and trying to, to know more and more about what it means. Thinking deeply and often on God's word leads us to being spiritually fit. All of these are, I mean, again, we don't have time tonight, but you see those all in the Bible over and over again. I mean, you look at those who were spiritually fit. They did those sort of things regularly. Now, these aren't fancy. And they're not new. And they may not seem overly exciting. But these are the things that work. These are the things that produce spiritual fitness. Not because I said so. Because they're in here. And the thing is, we have to be disciplined to do them. Do them all. Do them over and over. And the reality is that for most of us, what we want is a quick fix. Right? We, we want a, a book on the secret key to spiritual fitness. And you read this 20, 30 page book and you pray the prayer at the end and boom, you're done. But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way in anything. But... Society teaches us that that's what we should look for, right? If you want to get fit, take this pill. If you want to look like this pro bodybuilder, here's the the supplement they take. Here's the workout program this girl did to go from this to this. We want this quick, easy fix. But the reality is those things aren't real. They're not real in the physical. And they're not real in the spiritual. they're, They're quick fixes and magic keys Don't exist. Write it down. Believe it. Memorize it. Live by it. If you want to be spiritually fit, you do these things over and over and over again. You discipline yourself to do them. Not once, not twice, because we know it doesn't come overnight. We we do them and keep doing them, and eventually we see the desired results. Those disciplines always work. 100%. I don't make a whole lot of I guarantee you's up here. 
I guarantee you, if you do those things, you will grow spiritually. You will be spiritually fit. You will know Jesus in a way that is greater than you've ever known him before. Because those are the path. That's the way. Spiritual fitness requires intentional, disciplined effort. Secondly, be responsible. Notice what he goes on to say. Discipline yourself. Discipline yourself. This potentially is the most important point for tonight. It's the reality is you can't hire someone to do it for you. And again, we know this in the physical, right? You can't hire someone to exercise for you and get in shape on your behalf. You can hire a trainer who will show you how to work out. You can enlist a workout partner who will hold you accountable and get you to the, help you get to the gym to work out. But in the end, you have to do the workout. You have to do the exercises to be physically fit. It's the same with spiritual fitness. No one can do the spiritual disciplines required to make you or I spiritually fit. No one can do it in our place. We can have a close friend who's an accountability partner to ask us, have you done this? Have you read your Bible? Have you prayed? Have you given in to temptation? We can do that. And that helps. But they still, we still have to do the work ourselves. We can go to church. And we can go to Sunday school. And we should do those things. But... In the end, we still have to read our Bibles. We still have to pray. We still have to do our spiritual disciplines ourselves. Spiritual fitness, your spiritual fitness, depends upon you consistently doing those things that produce spiritual fitness. My spiritual fitness depends upon me doing those things, consistently doing those things that result in spiritual fitness. No one is responsible for your spiritual fitness but you. And no one is responsible for my spiritual fitness but me. And there are some truths we have to recognize and embrace in order to be responsible for our spiritual fitness. It won't always be easy. Daily discipline is hard. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. Daily discipline in just about anything is hard. Then you add... The battle of the world, the flesh, and the devil. You had the spiritual component to this. And being spiritually fit is incredibly difficult. But being disciplined is still necessary. Even when it's difficult. It won't always be convenient. There are always going to be other things to do. Hobbies, homework, TV shows, books, napping, social media, you name it. We're a busy people. Something is always pulling at our time to distract us from taking the time to read, to pray, to fast, to evangelize, to do those things that produce spiritual fitness. If we say, I'm going to wait until there's a more convenient time, that is essentially a way of saying, I will never be spiritually fit. There will never be a more convenient time. When I was a hospice chaplain, I realized people on their deathbed are unbelievably busy. Because everybody now knows they're dying. Every one of their family members comes in for a visit. It's just constant. Nurses are coming in. The chaplain comes in. The social worker comes in. Family comes in. Friends come in. And the only time it's going to be convenient because we don't have anything else that's going on is after we're dead. 
we're busy and we're going to be busy. It's never going to slow down. It's never going to get easier. It will never be convenient to carve out a set amount of time to read your Bible, to pray, to fast, to do these things. It will never be convenient. Instead, it just must be done. Pick it and do it because it's the priority. We won't always feel like doing them. This is also true with any daily discipline. I mean, if you do anything on a regular basis, some days you feel really excited about doing it, other days you don't. One of the things you learn in, in with physical fitness and spiritual fitness is discipline is greater than motivation. And, the, and really kind of a, an issue is being unmotivated today and giving into that and not doing it makes it easier to be unmotivated tomorrow and not do it that day as well. I mean, one of the greatest ways to fight a spiritual battle is when you don't feel like praying, make a point to pray extra. When you don't feel like reading your Bible, make a point to read your Bible extra. Just stick it to the devil and tell him he doesn't control your life. I would almost say the days we don't feel like it are the days we need it the most. We're not always going to feel like it. We're going to need discipline to do it even when we don't feel like it. Then we have to do them again and again. Have I mentioned there are no quick fixes? There are no magic keys. We just do the basics over and over again. And then this is the final one about this. Whether we are spiritually fit or not is up to us. And for our culture, this is the hard point. You are 100% responsible for your spiritual fitness. You are 100% responsible for your level of devotion to Jesus. You are 100% responsible for the depth of your spiritual life and for your relationship with Jesus. And if those are not up to par, you are the only person responsible. It is your fault. And if I'm not up to par... It is my fault. No one else is to blame for my spiritual fitness but me. No one else is to blame for your spiritual fitness but you. If we are disciplined to do the spiritual disciplines, when it's not easy, when it's not convenient, when we don't feel like them again and again, we will be spiritually fit. And that's a result of our effort and God's work on our behalf with it. If we're not going to do it because it's not easy. If it's going to wait to a convenient time. If we don't can't do it because we don't feel like it. If we're not willing to do it again and again. We will not be spiritually fit. And in the end it will be our fault. Completely our fault. I've had people ask me. Pray for them to be more devoted to Jesus. And have a better relationship with Jesus. And I pray for those people in those ways. But here's the reality. The ultimate decision about whether they'll be devoted to Jesus or have a deep relationship with Jesus, it's not going to be in my prayer closet. It's going to be the decisions they make in their lives. If they choose not to be devoted, to not do spiritual disciplines, to not work on spiritual fitness, they will not be devoted, they will not be spiritually fit, and it has nothing to do with whether or not I prayed. It has to do with their choices. You determine... Your devotion to Jesus. You determine the depth of your spiritual life. You determine your relationship with Jesus.
and I determine those things about me. You and I, we are ultimately and completely responsible for our own spiritual fitness. Part of being spiritual fit is taking responsibility for where we are spiritually at the moment and then taking responsibility to do what needs to be done to get to where we ought to be. Spiritual effort requires spiritual fitness requires intentional, disciplined effort. And this requires us to take responsibility for our own spiritual fitness. And then finally, be focused. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Those who are successful in becoming physically fit have a specific goal in mind. They don't merely want to lose weight. They want to lose 30 pounds. They don't merely want to get in shape. They want to be able to run five miles in 40 minutes. They don't merely want to be strong. They want to be able to deadlift 400 pounds. The goal they have in mind helps them choose what exercises they're going to do that will help them develop those goals. All those who are concerned about being spiritually fit have one goal in mind, being godly. This is the point. The point of what we do is so we can be a godly people. One of the best explanations I've ever heard about what it means to be godly comes from Chuck Swindoll. A godly person is one who ceases to be self-centered in order to become a God-centered man or to become God-centered. Christ became a man and as a result of his earthly ministry, we see how God intended for humans to behave. Jesus is our unblemished example of godliness. Therefore, a godly person is a Christ-like person. Our goal as Christians is to become like Christ. Being like Jesus is the ultimate goal in spiritual fitness. Everything we do in seeking spiritual fitness is for the express purpose of helping us become more and more like Jesus. This will affect every area of our lives. It changes our morality, our priorities, our attitudes, our actions, our reactions. Uh, There's just no area of our life that is not changed as we become more and more like Jesus. Now this requires us to be focused. To focus on this goal. And to focus on doing the disciplines that will bring about this goal. It's one thing. For a prospective athlete to dream about winning a gold medal. Something entirely different to make the decisions day after day that put you in a place where winning a gold medal is even a possibility. Long before the athlete stands up with a gold medal, there are months of hard work and faithful training. The glory of the gold medal is built upon the back of disciplined responsibility, intentional effort. It's one thing to dream about being more like Jesus. But it's something else to put in the work every single day. To do what's necessary to become more like Jesus. Now if we're going to have this mindset. I want to be like Jesus. Then we have to have focus on three areas. One, focus on the goal. The goal is to be like Jesus. Focusing on the overall goal keeps us from drifting. Because if we're not careful, drifting is is easy and a natural part, not a natural part, but it's just one of the things that we tend to do in, in any area of our lives. How many of us have gone through times where we we did pray, we did read our Bible, but we got nothing out of it. I mean, if you had those times, you read your Bible 
And the next day you can't remember what you read. I mean, you did the work, right? But you weren't there. You weren't focused. And so you missed the effort. You pray. And rather than really feeling like you're communing with God, you, you just read your prayer list. And, and you want God, do this and do that and do this and do that. Forgive me this, forgive me that. Do this, do that. Amen. And we, we kind of sense that's surely there's more. So we, we focus on the goal. I'm going to read my Bible and, and I'm doing this so I can be more like Jesus. I'm going to pray. I want to commune with my Father. I want to be more like Jesus. So we focus on the goal. Second, focus on the value. One of the things that keeps people motivated and disciplined in diet or exercise is the overall value or maybe the benefit it brings their life. My dad, as a general rule, eats a low-carb lifestyle. And it's because he is a borderline diabetic. Eating low-carb enables him to control his blood sugar so he doesn't take any extra medicine. To him, the value of not taking extra medicine is greater than the value of carbs. So he focuses on the value and it keeps him on his diet. This is true with spiritual fitness as well. Look at verse 8. Bodily training is slightly beneficial, but godliness is beneficial for all things since it is since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Growth in godliness is valuable in this life now and in the life to come. What we do with spiritual disciplines to become spiritually fit is eternally valuable. I think the contrast between physical fitness and spiritual fitness is meant to be significant. He's not saying it's wrong to be physically fit. It's not what he's saying. He's just saying physical fitness is temporary and spiritual fitness is eternal. Therefore, spiritual fitness is more significant and more important. And we could, I think, make the same contrast, contrasting image with, with all physical things. Whether it's physical fitness versus spiritual fitness or financial fitness versus spiritual fitness. I mean, you think about the, the things we're talking about with be disciplined, take responsibility. If you take a course on how to be financially responsible, what do they teach you? Be disciplined, take responsibility, focus on a goal. That's what we do. And if you're here and you're financially responsible, you've done those things. But we, we have to realize the financial stuff, it's not going to last. It's going to pass at some point, but the godliness goes forever. Vocational fitness, right? We, we could, if, we, if we're going to be successful in our jobs, what do we have to do? Take responsibility, be disciplined, focus on the goal. But that, that vocation, it's not going to last forever. Eventually, it's going to pass away. But the godliness, that's forever. I think we could take Jesus' word from Luke 12 about the man who had the great increase in crops and apply them here. It would be foolish for us to be physically, financially, vocationally fit at the expense of being spiritually fit. To succeed in any one of those areas but to fail in godliness is a foolish trade to make. We must focus on the value of spiritual fitness. And then finally, focus on daily faithfulness. Focus on daily faithfulness for two reasons. First is so we don't become procrastinators. For various reasons, we often choose not to do the things right now 
thinking we will do them later. And the problem with that is not doing them today makes it easier to not do them tomorrow and the day after as well. I think the second is only focusing on the overall goal can be overwhelming. The goal is to be like Jesus. I don't know about you. There's a there's Jesus, and then there's me. And there's a there's a big gap in, in what what is there. There's an awful lot of ways. I, I'm not nearly as much like Jesus as I ought to be. And if all I focus on is the ways I'm not like Jesus, that's a discouraging thought if that's my goal, if that's what I'm shooting for in life. But if rather than only focusing on the big goal, I focus today I'm going to do these things. These are the things that will help me to become more like Jesus tomorrow. So I'm going to do them today. Now that, it's more manageable. That's encouraging. That's not nearly as overwhelming or as discouraging. And so we focus on daily faithfulness. Don't worry about, as Paul would say, forget the past. We can't go back and fix what we didn't do yesterday. We can't, the tomorrow's not guaranteed to us. We have this day. And on this day, do those things which tomorrow will help me to be more like Jesus. Focus on daily faithfulness. As we do these things, though, our why matters. Why are we going to do these things? Why are we going to do these disciplines? Take responsibility. Be disciplined. Have a goal. Why? It has to be because we love Jesus. We can do all the right things. And if we don't love Jesus, we still miss the mark. Jesus told the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2. You do all these wonderful things. And I I love that about you. There's this one thing. It's bad. You've left your first love. And that was such an extensive thing that he told them if they didn't repent, remember, and return, he would take the candlestick away. The candlestick was the church. So it's so significant. Jesus doesn't want us to just do a whole bunch of religious stuff because we're religious people. and That's what religious people do. He wants us to love him. We love him. And so we study his word. We love Him and so we pray. We, we love Him and so we, we fast at times. We love Him so we tell others about Him. We love Him so we worship Him. We love Him so we shut the world out so we can be just with Him. We love Him and so we do all of these things so we can be more and more like Him. That has to be the focus or that has to be the, the motivation behind it all. I love Jesus. I want to be with Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. If we miss love, we miss it all, no matter how much we do. So as we close, are you prepared for spiritual fitness? Are you ready to be disciplined for spiritual fitness? Are you ready to take responsibility for your own spiritual fitness? Are you ready to focus on the goal Of spiritual fitness. Are you ready. To put forth intentional. Disciplined effort. To be spiritually fit. The next few days let's pray. And ask God to show us any ways. We might not be prepared. Ask him to show us. 
what we need to do, what we need to change, what we need to lay aside in our lives, and what we need to add. And to give us the strength to do the work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you today. You are great and glorious. You are wonderful and worthy. We bow and we surrender to you. And we want to be like Jesus, Father. Guide us as we move towards spiritual fitness. Help us to, to do those things that are necessary. Make us a disciplined people. To do the things that work. Break off from us, Father, this longing for some new thing. For some quick fix, some magic key that will suddenly make it all work. That make us realize those things don't exist. Help us to take responsibility for where we are. To do what needs to be done to get to where we need to be. Father, if we are people who blame others, shift the blame, look at them. If it wasn't for this, it could be that. Help us to, to get off of that and just say, it's, it's me. My responsibility to do it. And let us do this because we love Jesus and we want to be like him. And as we do these things, Father, empower them. Speak to us through your word. Meet with us in prayer. Enable us to fast. Give us souls for our labor. Let us hear you as we said in silence. And let us see your work in our lives, making us ever more like Christ, we ask in his name. Amen.